The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-Time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champions. Welcome to the Quintessential Podcast, presented by Axia Time. PLL season underway as the NCAA championships come to a conclusion on Memorial Day. We were in Albany, New York last weekend, covering week one of the PLL. The league shifts to Charlotte this weekend. You can watch the Whipsnakes play the Atlas at 3 o'clock on ABC. This week's guest is Alex Mazzone, Georgetown University graduate, Johns Hopkins Graduate School, and member of the Water Dogs, having played in his first pro game. First of all, Alex, welcome in and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, you, you, your resume is growing by the day. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. What, uh, what was it like uh, turning the page so quickly on, on a Hopkins season that ended in the quarterfinals? You get like a week off and then you're you're headed to training camp. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, it was very exciting. You know, I think kind of had a leg up on some other guys in terms of the PLL, just like being recent, like recently playing and all that stuff. So I think me and a lot of the other rookies definitely hung out with some guys who felt like we had a leg up in that way. It was pretty unfortunate, just like the season was ending. There was a lot of unknowns. Wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to play in the PLL like that first weekend or go to training camp at all. So it was kind of quick turnaround, uh, but it's exciting to keep playing lacrosse. You know, it's a dream of mine. Like, I, I don't want it to end. So just being able to keep living that out, it, it's been great. So I, I'm grateful for week one and just grateful for any opportunity I have going forward to play lacrosse again. So you got your degree from Georgetown. You're, you're in a Hopkins graduate program. Is that uh, ongoing or is that done? Yeah, so I'm taking a few summer classes uh, right now. It's like uh, online type courses, and uh, I'll be taking some in the fall. So I'll be finishing up in the fall. Nice. What was uh, what was training camp like for for a rookie for a first year guy? Yeah, it was good. You know, I think uh, I might have a little bit of a different experience than some of the other rookies just hang out with some of the guys on the other teams. I think the Water Dogs is a pretty like veteran group, and a lot of guys were getting into like the thing, like the the mix of things uh so coach copeland kind of eased us into training camp i know a lot of other teams went hard right away but we kind of focused on just like team aspects and just going through like team camaraderie and that type of stuff so we kind of had a i wouldn't say it was an easy training camp but kind of had a the pace grew as the training camp uh went on so it, it was fun you know we scrimmaged the cannons right away and that was a great taste of just pro lacrosse you know the guys are so talented it's crazy the ball moves so fast so much faster than the college games from what i'm experienced with um it's just great to be on the field with guys that are so talented and great to play 
uh, lacrosse with these guys. It's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you, you say that, and that was my takeaway from week one, I'm down in the field. So I'm, I'm very much in the action, but even at practice, it, it's an unforgiving game. Uh, if, if you have any hesitancy in anything you do at any position, you're generally going to lose. Like you, you've got to be decisive. Uh, you know, it's all, it's all about time. Like it feels like all the windows for playmaking are shrunk uh, considerably. The athletes are bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled, smarter, like all of that. Uh, what type of adjustment was, was it for you? Yeah, for sure. You know, where I think I noticed it the most, honestly, was when I got put in during a water dogs practice in man down, like one of the first times we did man down together and the man up was just moving the ball so fast. It was like something I've never experienced before. So just kind of what you're talking about, those windows, especially a man down, like those windows are shrunk to begin with. So just playing in pro lacrosse, you could tell those windows, the athleticism, it's crazy. It's hard. It's definitely been a hard adjustment. And I'm kind of leaning on some of the older guys, like defensive guys on our team, like Liam Burns, Ben Randall, Ryland Reese, and Eli Gobrecht. They've been great guys to just lean on and learn from. So, uh, I mean, they've been playing the pro game for a while. So it's been great to learn from them. I'm, I'm just excited to be a part of it, you know, keep playing lacrosse. Like, like I said, it's been great. So I'm just living my dream. So. Yeah. There's, there's not many guys who, you know, start with that three villages program that, that are playing post-college. I, I want to ask it in terms of playing to your strengths. And it seems almost as if the program, you've got to kind of boil your game down and, and keep it really simple and be effective in what you do well. Uh, what, what have you noticed in terms of ground balls at the pro level? Yeah, you know, uh, I think ground balls are definitely a type of thing. There's a lot more Canadians involved in the PLL, I feel like. So a lot of guys are scrappy and savvy uh, on like rebounds in front of the cage. So I think not even just taking the ball away in the middle of the cage, but taking body and laying like your other teammates, because it's not like you just have a couple guys who are good at getting ground balls on your team. Pretty much every defenseman on your, on your team has a good stick and can scoop a gr of a ground ball. So I, I think it's more playing together and like, using each other to make plays because everyone's so talented at ground balls. So it's a lot of man ball. I think, I think I've experienced that a couple of times in the last game we played and just a lot of gooses, a lot of slick sticks. So. So it, it tests your, your communication or your, or your sense for your spatial awareness, basically. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how would you compare Andy Copeland to say a, a Pete Milliman or a Kevin Warren? Yeah, Coach Copeland's been great. You know, I think the coaching as a pro is pretty hard because, I mean, a lot of these guys are that are on the team that are my teammates are coaches themselves. So a lot, a lot of their speak is coach speak. So I think Coach Copeland has done a great job of just finding his space to uh, keep the role as a coach. You know, it's easy in college to coach 18 through 22-year-olds. Uh, coach Warren and Coach Millman were great at that. And I think Coach Copeland has done a good job at just finding his ways to make his presence known and uh, get what he wants done in a way. And he, he's, a, he's a straight hour. You know, I think in the pro level, there could be like uh, things like could go unsaid, you know, almost. But Coach Copeland will tell you where you, stand, where you stand straight up. And he's an honest guy. And I respect that. So it's been great. Yeah, that, that, that communication is essential. I mean, today, prior to recording this, I saw the waiver wire and, you know, the, it, this is a pro sport. And the reality of a pro sport is that if you play poorly, uh, you might not dress the next week. And if you play poorly two weeks in a row, you, you might find yourself, uh, you know, on the waiver wire. Uh, you play well, that generally uh, solidifies your standing for the next week, but nothing is written in stone. 
with, with, with that, how do you compare the nerves maybe that you had prior to your pro game, your first pro game compared to, let's say your debut for, for, for Hopkins or for Georgetown? Yeah. You know, I think for my debuts at Georgetown and Hopkins, um, I kind of was a decently high recruit at Georgetown and I was uh, a transfer coming in to Hopkins and played a little bit. So kind of had that expectation to play and thought I was going to make some plays and make an impact for my teams at Georgetown Hopkins. You know, I penetrated the lineup at Waterdogs kind of not on a whim, but I think it's a lot of it has to do with the team you get drafted to the circumstances of other guys on the team. So I was really grateful to get the opportunity to play. So I think my program had a lot of more, not anxiety, but just an eagerness to want to make plays or make the right decisions. Because like you said, it's the game, this game is gruesome. Like there's not a lot of teams in the PLL. So it's hard for guys to make rosters. There's, there's great players on the waiver wire. Me and my friends have talked about it. Like they can make like three or four teams that could compete uh, with other teams, just with guys off the waiver wire. So I think that first uh, pro game, I definitely had a little bit more in the back of my head of, not trying to make a mistake, make the right play, not overextend myself. And uh, yeah. How, how will you, uh, have you mapped out your summer in terms of training and in, in terms of staying in shape, staying injury free, maybe getting stronger or faster? Like how, how do you approach that uh, with, with a kind of a great unknown of, of your first pro summer? Yeah. You know, I think this year at Hopkins, especially relying on coach Jay Dyer as their strength coach was great. I, I definitely gained a lot in strength and speed and he's definitely someone that I'm going to be looking to like throughout this summer, just to reach out and be like, Hey, what can I do in terms of this? This is like the types of weights. This is the type of field access I have, like what type of workout can you give me? Um, and I think Jay is going to be able to do that with me. And I've been a pretty in shape person like my whole life. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, but I think relying on coach Jay, especially because he's coached professional lacrosse players and has gone beyond has, all players beyond the college game, uh, keeping their strength and conditioning up. So uh, he's someone I'm definitely going to rely on. I got to tell you, Jay did a great job this year. Of, of all the years I've been covering Hopkins, for whatever reason, I felt that this team uh, kept their speed, kept their strength. You guys dealt with a lot of injuries and kind of rolled with the punches. Uh, it wasn't mm -hmm. talked about much, but I, I just felt that this team, uh, your team, they played it with a consistent uh, emotional level as well. Uh, I thought he did an outstanding job this year. How would you best describe his impact on, on, on this year as a Blue Jay? Yeah, I think his impact was great. You know, just the fall running sessions that we had with him, the fall weight room sessions early in the morning were just building team camaraderie. And I think at the end of the day, all his strength and conditioning is great. And I'm sure he's been doing similar stuff with teams, dating back to when he started. Um, and I think that kind of team camaraderie that we built in the fall kind of just spilled into the spring. And I don't know, maybe our legs weren't there sometimes against Maryland, but we relied on each other and we knew that we had to pull through for each other. And we relied on that team chemistry and just the love of each other to like pull through. Um, and I think that was really the key, not as much just building strength and conditioning throughout the whole year. The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces 
for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-Time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 World Champions. Alex and the Water Dogs by the Redwoods on Friday night. You can watch that game on ESPN Plus from Charlotte. If you're in that area, uh, come on by. It's American Legion Stadium. Should be a good scene. You got a doubleheader Friday, the Chrome and the Archers, and then the Water Dogs and the Redwoods. As I said earlier, Saturday, our, our nationally televised game, Whip Snakes and Atlas. If you're a Hopkins fan, you're not going to be rooting for the Whip Snakes. They got a lot of Maryland Terps. That's a three o'clock yeah. ABC game. Uh, Alex, I, I do want to talk a, a, a little length here about, about your, this extra year you took at Hopkins because, you know, I've said to a bunch of people that, that I felt you were the most impactful transfer the program has seen in 20 plus years. Uh, I played with a guy named Craig Boubier who transferred from Virginia, uh, really led us to a national championship. He was in, instrumental. I think about Dudley Dixon. I think about John Gagliardi. But what you did, uh, turning that defense around, getting ground balls, and you know, seamlessly fitting into the culture, I think is is really notable. And it was it was an incredible turnaround season. W- when you look back at that at that extra year, you had a lot of decisions. You could have gone a bunch of different places. You could have you could have hung up your cleats. Uh, what 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 stands out as as maybe being uh, most satisfying uh, about your last year at Hopkins? Yeah, you know, I definitely did consider hanging up the cleats, and it was a tough decision for me. And I really relied on my my three brothers played college lacrosse too, and basically every single one that I talked to was like, "Listen, do not take it for granted. Take another year and play lacrosse. Do not go into the real world yet. You're going to regret it in five years." So I really leaned into them in helping me make the decision to actually do a fifth year. And then in terms of just what I'm most grateful for, it's the relationships. You know, the guys on the defense that I came close to, like. Scott Smith, Bone Zulu, guys like Jack Ruddy, uh, Carson Brown, freshman Nick Kaufman, Patrick Deans, Coach K. I've, I've had so many conversations with Coach K just about defense and his philosophy. It's so different from what I had at Coach Warren. Just learning from him was great. But, like, I just made so many great friends that I'm going to have for life, and we became so close this year. Those guys went through so much that I didn't experience, and I just wanted to be a vessel for them to, like, grow from it and learn from it and be able to, like, avenge it in a way and I was just happy to be along the ride with them and do whatever I can to help those guys because they wanted to win so badly and it just made my fire so much greater this year and for the seniors and the veterans on that team after what's been a struggle the last three years uh to turn things around to win a playoff game uh to to play pretty strong in the quarterfinals against the eventual champion Notre Dame uh uh I think end of the year, you guys were ranked fifth, somewhere in that range. If you told me, if you asked me that at the beginning of the year, I would have said the ceiling may have been like eight to 12. Uh, and you guys end up in the, in that top eight, which is, which is just uh, really a credit to the coaching staff and the players for turning things around. I've heard repeatedly though, the fall just felt differently, the workouts, the bonding. Can you put a finger on that for, for the fans? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've I talked about this at length with different guys 
And it was kind of something that I always would hear at Georgetown, actually, my freshman year, talking about the year prior when they won the Big East for the first time and talking about that senior class with like Danny Beccaro uh, and other guys in, in his grade. And it was just kind of something about the ride with them. And I feel like this year coming into it right away, the guys I just talked to, it just felt different. I don't know. I, I, I don't think – I think if you were able to put a finger on it, it would kind of take away from what it was. Um and I think the guys just relied on each other, man. And I think guys, the senior class especially really wanted to win this year. And it just boiled down to the entire team. I mean, adding Coach Crawley, adding Coach Kelly, just the Hopkins alumni, just like infusing that tradition back into our team and the excellence of the program uh, just fueled the fire in us. That was It was so evident in the fall. And the guys were definitely the guys definitely knew this season was going to be different. They didn't know how it was going to end up, but they knew it was definitely going to be different from the years prior for them. Uh, and I'm just so grateful to be a part of it with them. It, it was amazing. It was an amazing ride. Coach Crawley's been a, a huge upgrade, and Brian Kelly, who I follow on Instagram, we were, we were teammates for a little bit. Uh, it, again, it just looked different. The pictures he was posting from these fall workouts where you guys were running up that hill. Uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning. I, I don't know why, but it resonated with me that, that things were going to change. Uh, I got to ask you about Hopkins traditions. You come in for one year, like what, what's, a, what's a cool tradition? What's something that you, you gravitated to is saying, oh, wow, I didn't know that. This is pretty neat. Uh, I would say definitely one is skyball. Uh, before every game, the defense gets together and someone usually gets on top of one of the stands at Homewood tuck the ball up in the air and all the defensive guys have to catch it. And if you don't catch it, you, you eat last at dinner. And for some reason, man, this tradition will always stick with me because I was terrible at sky ball. I like did not catch like any single ball and it was always in my head. And I don't know why, but whenever I would drop it, we would win. So it's kind of like a thing that we had with the team where as I dropped it, we win. So uh, that's a tradition I will always stick with. Coach Kelly would always talk about Skyball. Coach K would always talk about Skyball. I'm going to be telling people about Skyball until the day that I die. So that's definitely something that will always stick with me. And it's a great tradition. And I hope, I hope it stays with the team forever. Did you have any academic moments at Hopkins where you're like, what have I got myself into? Because uh, I had that early and often while, while I was there. Uh, I, I was always you blown know, away by, by A, how smart everybody was, but that they were really, really trying hard to get an A. Yeah, you know, I really relied on me and Luke Caracciolo, uh, the transfer from Bryant, um, really relied on each other. So we had some late nights in the library for sure with some other guys. But I think I really realized the academic rigor of the school, just hanging out with the guys in the undergraduate program, uh, just all the guys like Jacob Angelis, Patrick Dean, he's like an engineering major, uh, Carlos In does like mathematics. Some of these guys are taking really hard classes and just like experiencing it. I, I, I knew Hopkins was a hard school coming into it, but I, I did not understand the, the level of rigor uh, that the guys experience on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think just being in the library late nights with some of the guys uh, really opened my eyes to that. Yeah, th th those struggles I find pay off more than almost anything uh, in terms of my experience at school. Like I, I still rely on those struggles. Like if you can get through those struggles, there's not much in the real world that can throw at you that that is going to be uh, be equal. Uh, I, I got to uh, ask you about being a swamp dog, being a Hoya uh, for, for coach uh, Kevin Warren. You guys, uh, while you were there, ramped up the program big time and did, did some amazing things. Uh, what was that experience like? What, what, what did you enjoy most about being down in D.C.? 
Yeah, you know, I think the excellence of just being at Georgetown, you know, we had so much winning and so much greatness that happened there that it kind of just became second nature to me. And I think that's kind of what flowed into me at Hopkins, to be honest. And I think I helped instill that type of culture into the guys at Hopkins. Um, but I'm just always going to remember my class from Georgetown, you know, guys like Zach Geddes, guys like Nate Gentile, James Riley, Declan McDermott, Mason Bonney, Brandon Moe, Dylan Watson, and Pete Thompson. Like, those guys were great. Like, I relied on them for a lot. We went through a lot of the class, just COVID. We lost a couple guys to the transfer portal. Um, and, you know, we were there for it all, to be honest, except for the first year of the Big East Championship. My class was kind of a part of the whole run, and it was great to be a part of. And Coach Warren was great, so I'm going to miss Coach Warren like heck, man. He, he was the reason why I went to Georgetown, just the Ward-Melville connection. When I went on the visit, we went through the Thompson Athletic Center. Like, I was wearing a hard hat because it was still under construction. So was he. It was funny. He was cracking jokes the whole time, and I fell in love with the place. So, I mean, my time at Georgetown was great, and I loved it. And I'm always going to remember the guys and Coach Warren, so. Is there a big difference between two, you know, perennial powers, two top 10 teams, let's say Georgetown and Hopkins with the way they operate, with the way you're coached, with the demands, or is it all very similar? I think definitely there's something different with the Big Ten and like that type of aspect of college lacrosse, just like the scheduling of the Big Ten games, like the night games, uh, broadcasting. Uh, it's not like it feels more like legit, but I think there's something to that that just levels up the ante where I think if Georgetown was in a different league, it would feel the same. But at Hopkins, there was definitely a different there, difference there. Uh, but the schools are very similar, like socially and like team wise. So there was no like hard assimilation in that way. So you, you mentioned your brothers, you got three brothers and, and one sister. Uh, my first question is, is why, why aren't you playing goalie? You're, you're, you're the youngest in, in this group of lacrosse players. Like that's why I was a goalie. That's why half the goalies I know are goalies. Yeah. You know, my dad actually played goalie uh, at UPenn and Hofstra. So, you know, I kind of had to round out the family. We had all the positions. We had midfield attack goalie. Uh, so I had to play defense, I guess. What was your experience like at Melville? You got, you guys, uh, I think you won a bunch of state titles if I'm not correct. Yeah, my 10th grade year, we lost to Victor with like TD Erlin. Uh, and that team, that Victor team was great that year. My 10th grade year, we lost. Uh, and then my 11th grade year, we won. And then my senior year, we won as well. So I had two state championships. And those experiences were great. Coach Jay Negus and Coach Muscarella were amazing. Uh, there's guys on the team that I'm going to have friendships with forever. So those experiences were great driving up to upstate New York to get a ring, drive back down with the team and then celebrate. It was great. When we spoke prior to the, uh, the tournament game, you mentioned the three villages rec club uh, that you started at. Is that, that's accurate, correct? Yep, for sure. That, that rec program has got to have produced, I mean, hundreds of college lacrosse players. If, if you go back, cause they, they were, they were, they were humming back in the seventies and the eighties. For sure, for sure, definitely. And from all the people that I remember in my town, at least start there, play a couple of years there. And not until recently has the travel teams really exploded and guys start to left. But early 2000s, 90s, I mean, that was the only thing guys played for. They just played three village. And it's always been exceptional on the island. You think about, like, I started the Limburg Titans, but Garden City, Smithtown was always good. Huntington was good. Massapequa. And if you have a quality rec program, I mean, it, it, it correlates 100% to having a really good high school program. And, and that's always been the case 
case in Melville. Is 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 there a certain pride that that people who play for Ward Melville carry around with themselves for for the rest of their uh, their time? Yeah, for sure. I, I actually have on the Ward Melville lacrosse T-shirt right now. But uh, um, like the, the the level of pride we have, the guys that I hang out with still talk about the rings we have, talk about the experiences we have. I draw back and forth with my brother about my Ward Melville team was better than your Ward Melville team, talking about different games we had. My brother Will had a game against, against West Islip when I was younger, uh, and Kyle Turry actually ran down the field as a goalie and what, as he was on West Islip and scored the game winner. It was like six to five in like overtime, I'm pretty sure. And that's just one experience I always have, and I always chirp my brother for that one experience and saying my Ward Melville teams are better than you. We wouldn't let that happen. So there's always that banter that goes on, and there's a pride for the team that guys always talk about. Um, I think Ward Melville definitely has a different tradition and a different level of pride in the program than some other public schools on Long Island. So I've gotten friendly with your dad on Instagram. He claims <laughs> to have he claims to have visited like 60 Division One college home stadiums for games. Uh, should I should I believe him? Yes, for sure. He goes to every single game. So he 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 never missed any of your games. No. And he was at Albany this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That that that's that's wonderful. That's insane. Yeah, he's the he's my biggest supporter, and I love him for that. Does he uh, does he critique your performances? Does he sit back and enjoy the game and enjoy the the, the tailgate? Is he intense? So what, what what's he like on game day? He was definitely more intense when I was younger. I think uh, he was pretty hard on my oldest brother Kenny when he was growing up, um, and kind of lightened the load as the kids went down and kind of learned the way to best be uh best critique us um but I think as I grew up in high school and like going into the college game it was more an experience for him than him trying to critique my game I think he just loved it and whenever I was hard on myself he was always trying to pick me up in college uh just saying I played my best game I could and he was never really critical uh once I got to the college and even high school he was not that critical what was he like after this week's game he was he was psyched man he was just happy for me to get the experience to play with the water dogs um he thought it played well it was a good time we got the got the win so it was great does he have all the gear on now <laughs> yeah he'll he'll like spot wear stuff so like sometimes he's wearing like a georgetown hat and then like my brother played at Rutgers, a Rutgers shirt and then his own shorts he misses and matches all the time he's gonna have to the water dogs at least have some uh pretty good swag uh got, you know the colors are pretty sharp in your unis last week i thought were outstanding yeah i just gave him a shirt so <laughs> well water dogs in the redwoods that's friday night from charlotte uh second game after the chrome play the archers and you uh travel wise is that a thursday morning or a thursday evening flight with a, with practice day on friday how does that work uh it's like a thursday afternoon flight i believe we have practice that night on thursday and then the game on friday Oh, the game's on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So that's right. I'm, I'm heading down on uh, Thursday this week, so I won't be at practices this week. Uh, I've got uh, a family uh, running in a race uh, down there on Saturday morning. Luckily, it's only a 5K because that's about all I can do right now. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'm excited. Week two of uh, only five for me. What, for you guys, you guys got 12 weeks. That's a, That's a little intimidating when you sit back and actually look at it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
you, but it's no shortage. You played a ton of games. I counted like over 70 college lacrosse games you played in. Yeah, I played in a lot of games. So uh, a couple more won't hurt. I don't think. <laughs> do, uh, will you guys do some, some video or some zooming as, as a team, as, as, as the week goes on? How, how does that work? Yeah, we've talked about clips uh, over the next over the past couple of days, and we actually have a team Zoom tonight to go over some scout and some film over the past game. So, oh, that's pretty cool. So, so uh, you guys operate obviously remotely uh, as as guys go back to different spots, but then you're meeting, looking at clips. You can plug in if you have ESPN Plus. You can watch the Redwoods play. They looked pretty good last week. Uh, For sure, you're gonna be you're gonna be lining up on a faceoff wing with Nakai Montgomery, who had a good week off the wing. And they got and they got TD facing off. So uh, he, he's 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 an old nemesis of yours, right? For sure, for sure. Going back to the Victor days. Back and back, Victor. Well, Alex, thank you. Uh, appreciate your time. Continued success. Uh, again, congratulations on uh, what you did uh, this extra year. You took at Hopkins, elevating that program as an alum. Uh, really impressed. And, uh, and and best of luck to you this summer. I'll I'll see you on the uh, the PLL road. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Quint. Thanks, Alex. That's it for this week's episode of the Quintessential Podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our technical director, Dr. Nick Z. I want to thank you for listening. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axia Time. A watch. What a better gift than a ring. I've got a championship ring. It's collecting dust in a box. I wear watches all the time. Thank you, Axia Time. It's axiotime.com, and we'll see you next week.